Today's first Bible reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 7 to 11. You can find that on page 926 of the English Bibles or 1,853 of the Chinese Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 7. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not enter the, the, inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The second Bible reading is from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. You can find that on page 851 of the English Bibles or 1698 of the Chinese Bibles. Luke chapter 18 from verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Okay, I'd love for you to uh, keep those passages handy. Uh, we'll be uh, sharing them together a bit later on. Uh, also love for you to pray with me now. Lord God, thank you for the day you've given us, and uh, we thank you for um, the questions that you put on our hearts that we're wrestling with, and we pr thank you for the question tonight. We ask now that as we engage with that, that you would teach us, you would shape us, that you would make us humble and teachable, that we would think your thoughts after you and have your heart for all people. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, we are in the third week of our Ask Anything series. Uh, and today's question, as we said, is, are gay couples really welcome at Norwest? Now, I've got to say, as I've prepared uh, for this question, I found this the hardest of all the series so far. Um, not because it's particularly intellectually difficult or anything like that. Um, because we actually feel, I think, uh, a lot of pain and confusion in this area. Um, on the one hand... Uh, many Christians, uh, many of you, uh, will feel uh, bullied and intimidated in our culture. Because you know that uh, at work and amongst your friends and family on social media, if you aren't 100% um, completely affirming of uh, LGBTQIA lifestyle and values, um, then uh, you will be labelled a bigot, a homophobe, out of touch. And some of you, I know, bear scars from the same-sex marriage debate. You tried to graciously share why you weren't supportive of same-sex marriage. 
and for that, you were vilified on Facebook. You had friends and family tell you that you were a bigot and you didn't really love them. And then on the other hand, churches have treated members of the LGBTQIA community pretty poorly over the years. Over the last 30, 40 years, members of that community have been bullied, intimidated, ridiculed, and even assaulted violently. And churches were basically silent. We were basically silent. Perhaps we told cruel jokes or we laughed at those cruel jokes. And perhaps you're here as uh, someone who's a member of the LGBTQI community. Or you've struggled with same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria for years. And you know the pain of the bullying and the jokes. And so as um, somewhat of a representative, as a pastor, as a teacher of God's word, I want to say to you, we're sorry. We're sorry for not speaking up. We're sorry for the cruel jokes. We're sorry that our churches weren't places of safety and warmth. We're sorry that we weren't more like Jesus. So how would Jesus respond? If we were to ask Jesus, are gay couples really welcome at Norwest? What would he say? And I think the key thing is to understand what we mean by welcome when we say, uh, are gay couples really welcome at Norwest? Because the good news is that everyone who seeks Jesus is welcome. Jesus welcomes everyone who seeks him. So Jesus would say to everyone, if you seek, you will find. If you ask, it will be given. If you knock, you will find the door open. You see it again and again in the Gospels. Jesus welcomed, ate, served anyone. From the religious leaders who were arrogant, to violent Roman soldiers, to prostitutes who were shamed in their culture, to tax collectors who were reviled. Jesus welcomed them all, ate with them. And he was so passionate and zealous about doing that, that he actually offended the churchgoers of his day. They were outraged. They said, he eats with tax collectors and sinners. They were horrified. And so our question, are gay couples really welcome at Norwest? Absolutely. Because Jesus welcomes everyone who seeks him. Now that's where we need to listen carefully to that phrase, Jesus welcomes everyone who seeks him. Because when Jesus welcome people he didn't say look however you want to identify however you want to live whatever you want to do i'm just here for you now jesus welcome was an invitation to a new life jesus embrace was a call to repentance and faith jesus love was a challenge to enter the kingdom of god and come under a good and gracious king and we absolutely see this in the early church. We saw it in our reading from 1 Corinthians 6 before. So make sure you've got that open again in front of you. And we read from verse 7. And we saw in verses 7 and 8 that the kind of presenting problem or the question that Paul was dealing with there was that believers were taking each other to court. And he sort of addresses that. And then verse 9, look at how he makes it, it kind of bigger. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, Paul's not saying there that they are the great sins above all other sins. They were some of the big ones in Corinth. 
But he's also very clear there, isn't he? That if anyone, if you or I, if anyone says, look, it doesn't matter how I, how I live because Jesus just welcomes everyone. It's very clear there, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because Jesus' welcome is a call to a new life, a call to repentance and faith. And then look what he says, verse 11. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That is good news, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah? I mean, if you're into memorizing verses, that's one to memorize, to start each day with. Uh, One of the beautiful things about the church in Corinth is that the church was full of all sorts of different people, all sorts of different backgrounds, but they'd all been washed. Their sins had been washed away. They'd been sanctified. They'd been set apart as God's special people, and they'd been justified, declared innocent in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. It's good news. Jesus welcomes everyone who seeks him. Okay, James. So what you're really saying is if I'm gay, I'm not really welcome because I have to change. And what you don't seem to understand is that being gay isn't something just that I do. It's who I am. It's my identity. And and there's something very helpful and true about that statement, isn't there? Because sometimes we think that what we do and who we are are separate so we think, well, our sin is something that we do that's separate. It's kind of out there from us. It's not who we are. But that's not right. It's not just that I sin. I am a sinner. And, and, and it's not just, for example, that I lie. I am a liar. It's not just that I'm sometimes selfish. No, I'm self-absorbed. What we do and who we are is interwoven. And so it is absolutely right to say, I don't just live the gay lifestyle, I am gay, it's my identity. But here's the thing. Jesus can speak into and transform us in ways that we could never have dreamed. So let me introduce you to Sam Albury. He's a single pastor in the United Kingdom. And look how he speaks about himself. He writes this. Certainly for me, the only romantic and sexual feelings I've ever experienced have been toward other men. That's been a feature of my life since I had those kinds of feelings. So depending what labels or language you use, Sam is a gay pastor or a pastor who experiences same-sex attraction. And then look at how he speaks about identity. As a Christian... One of the key things for me is realizing that identity as Christians is not something that we discover in ourselves, nor is it something we create. It is something we receive and are given by the only person who can know our actual identity, which is the God who made us. So my identity as a Christian comes from the fact that I've been created by God and redeemed by Him through the saving work of Jesus. That's real identity, isn't it? Not something that we choose or shape for ourselves, but something that's given to us. It's a bit like citizenship. One day, you are a foreigner, an outsider, maybe a refugee, the the holder of a permanent residency visa. And then the very next day, you become a citizen, an Australian, with a new status. And that's one of the beautiful things about Australia, isn't it? All sorts of different people from different ethnic backgrounds, and we are all Australians together. 
And it is a little picture of Norwest Anglican. We're all different, all sorts of different backgrounds, different sins and struggles, and yet we've all been washed. We've all been sanctified. We've all been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We've all been given a new identity. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus, isn't it? You can't box him in. If you want to say, oh, he's judgmental, you find him welcoming and eating with everyone. If you want to say, oh, he just affirms everyone, well, you find him calling for repentance and new life. And so it's absolutely true to say that Jesus welcomes everyone who seeks him. A gay couple seeking Jesus are absolutely welcome at Norwest. But underlying that question, are gay couples welcome at Norwest, is also a challenge. And it's really a challenge for those of us who would call ourselves members here. See, Jesus welcomes, but do you? Really? Like, it might be one thing to hypothetically talk about um, welcoming a gay couple to Norwest, you know, and talk about it at a community group or chat about it on the deck. It's one thing to talk about it hypothetically and perhaps another thing to actually do it. And I want to press on us in this area a little bit by... Um, sharing a story. Um, Nick Cohen is a Christian writer and speaker in the United States, um, and he tells a story of, uh, he just finished speaking at a church in Wisconsin, sharing his story of same-sex attraction, uh, and straight after the Sunday meeting, uh, an elderly gentleman came up to him, and, and the first words out of this man's mouth to Nick were, young man, I appreciate your message, but you need to realize that most gay people are dangerous predators. Nick goes on, I was taken back and asked him to clarify. It turns out that a gay man had made a pass at him many years ago when he was in the military and it caused him to view all gay people as sexually aggressive and dangerous. His view of the homosexual community was defined almost exclusively by a single experience and fear. Now, I highly doubt that any of us here are as critical and maybe aggressive as that elderly gentleman. But when we ask the question, are gay couples welcome at Norwest? It forces us, doesn't it, to dig into our own hearts, to ask ourselves about our fears and our pride, to actually ask ourselves, I wonder if I'm, in this case, a bit like the Pharisee in Luke 18. So let's have a look at Luke 18 together. Turn back to that and refresh ourselves there. Luke 18, verse 9. We read, To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, in case you missed it, Jesus is on the side of the tax collector in that story, right? Just in case you missed the kind of big picture, um, he's not a fan of the Pharisee. But do you see what Jesus is doing? 
He's targeting our hearts, our pride, our self-righteousness. That, that thing that we all do, that kind of fake scale of morality that we set up. You know how we kind of, we have this scale of things that are of different sins. And so we put the, 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 the sins that we don't struggle with, that other people struggle with, they're the really bad ones. And the ones that we struggle with, well, they're not so bad. They're not so serious. We all do that. And, and you see that in, on the lips of the, the Pharisee in verse 11. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. We've all done that. We all do that. I remember uh, Jane and I were going to the movies one time, and for some reason we'd kind of paused outside this news agency, and there were two young boys, they would have been year seven, year eight, uh, sitting there, and uh, a man walked past, and they had a brief conversation. Um, they gave him some money. He went into the news agency. Uh, a little while later, he came out with two packets of cigarettes, kept one for himself, gave one to them, and walked on. And I thought, What? I looked at him and I, I said, how do you sleep at night? And he just laughed and walked off. And, and I've got to be honest, I wanted to hurt him physically. Now, now we were about the same size and body weight, so it wasn't going to be a David and Goliath moment. I wasn't going to slay any giants in the Lord's name or anything like that. Um, but I did want to hurt him. Like, what is wrong with you? Buying packets of cigarettes for kids and getting one free for yourself. Like, well, what is wrong with you? Lord, I thank you that I'm not like that man. We all do it. We've all done it. Maybe for you, it's you're watching A Current Affair or Today Tonight. It's okay, we've all done it at some point. It's, this is a safe place to admit that. Or at least you've seen the ad for it on the news. And you see the story coming up about how um, someone's life is blown up because of their own stupidity or selfishness. Or about that con man who's stolen the life savings of pensioners. And you think, oh jerk you know and 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 you think well lord i i might not be perfect but at least i'm not like that guy so when we ask the question are gay couples really welcome at norwest we all know what the right answer is we can all say the right answer but perhaps something different is going on in our hearts perhaps there's fear and pride leading to prejudice. So be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God right now. How often have you been tempted to think, I may not be perfect, Lord, but at least I'm not like that gay couple at work or down the street. It's not a pretty thought, is it? I don't want to offend anyone by, by saying it, but I think if we're going to ask the question, are gay couples really welcome at Norwest? We have to look into our own hearts. We have to search out the fear and prejudice so that we can genuinely welcome. So let's ask ourselves, what we'll do when this happens? I was going to say, if this happens, but I want to hope and, and pray that it will happen. So... A gay couple who've lived together for many years and under our new marriage laws, they get married and they have a couple of kids and perhaps they've only ever felt anger and hurt towards the church. And then through a whole bunch of circumstances and situations and conversations, they meet Jesus. And like every Christian, they receive forgiveness from Jesus and they give their lives to him. And then they come to you, their Christian friend, Christian neighbor, Christian workmate. And they say, so what do we do now? What does this mean for our relationship? What about the kids? 
And you say, let me talk to my pastor. <laughs> so I, I don't know exactly what we do. It's not neat, right? But I've got some thoughts, and I think it's a good way for us to kind of start to step out and think about this. So I think the first thing we do is we rejoice, right? We celebrate. We say, welcome home, because they met Jesus. And then we patiently, graciously walk with them. For those of you who became Christians later in life, say post-high school, this little thought experiment. Do you remember those early years? All the questions that you had, like hundreds, you know, and you had a, an older Christian that you're just bugging all the time for answers, and, and, and then the issues you're trying to work through, and there was those particular sins or idols or false loves that you needed to work through, and, it, and you still struggle with some of them today. It's the same for every believer. And so when we, we think about a gay couple meeting Jesus, we mustn't think, oh, a couple of Sundays, a couple of coffees, and they join a community group and all be neat and tidy. No. We will, some of you will need to walk with them patiently and graciously. So are you ready to be that kind of friend? Second thing, we strive to honor God without destroying lives. Think about what about the kids? What happens to the kids? And I, I want to share with you something that the church in Africa has wrestled with, and it's not the same as our scenario here, but I think it helps us understand and think about it. So in Africa, sometimes what will happen is there's a, an elder of a, a village, a tribal chief, um, who has multiple wives and lots of children with those wives, as kind of they've done for generations, a power, status kind of thing, wealth thing. And then he becomes a Christian. And he knows and learns that God's will for him is to be faithful to one woman. That polygamy is not God's plan. So what happens to all those other wives and the children? Do they just kind of get cast aside because now he's got Jesus? Well, they become destitute in that culture. So what the church over there has done is what um, some writers have called a retrieval ethic. What they do is that the, the chief, he is faithful to his first wife, lives with his first wife, and he continues to provide for, love, and protect the other wives and the other children. But he doesn't live with them. He's faithful to his first wife. Now, it's not perfect, but it is a retrieval. It, it's a way that they're trying to honor God without destroying lives. And I wonder whether something similar could happen with our scenario with the uh, gay couple who meet Jesus. That they work out a way to honor God with their bodies and their hearts, and still provide for each other, provide for their children. It's not perfect, but it is a way to honor God and without destroying lives. And it's why we will need to walk with them patiently and graciously. So are you ready to be that kind of friend? Third and final thing I think we do is we keep pointing them to the greatest love of all. The love of God that has been poured out upon us in Jesus Christ. And, and to help us see that, I want to share a little bit of uh, Jackie Hill Perry's story. Um, she writes about it in a, a blog post, which she titled, Love Letter to a Lesbian. And she talks in this quite long post um, about how she experienced same-sex attraction from as young as five years of age. And she kind of denied that for many years, but post-school, she pursued those desires and had uh, several long-term uh, lesbian relationships. She writes this, I understand how it feels to be in love with a woman. 
to want nothing more than to be with her forever. I enjoy these relationships and love these women a lot. And it came to the point that I was willing to forsake all, including my soul, to enjoy their love on earth. And then that changed in her early mid-twenties. She writes this, My superficial reality was shaken up by a deeper love, one from the outside, one that I'd heard of before but never experienced. And amazingly, at the same time that the penalty of my sin became true to me, so did the preciousness of the cross. A vision of God's Son crucified, bearing the wrath I deserved, and an empty tomb displaying His power over death. All things that I'd heard about before without any interest have become the most glorious revelation of love imaginable. Powerful, isn't it? Beautiful. And then she says towards the end, Now, why did I just tell you about this? I gave you a glimpse of my story because I want you to understand that I understand. But I also want you to know that I also understand how it feels to be in love with the creator of the universe, to want nothing more than to be with him forever, to feel his grace, the best news ever announced to mankind, to see his forgiveness, that he would take such a wicked heart into his hands of mercy. Jackie knew what it was to love another woman but she found a greater love in Jesus. So how do we respond to a gay couple seeking Jesus who've met Jesus with patient, gracious generosity and wisdom as we walk together, calling each other back always to the greatest love of all? Are you guys ready to be those kinds of friends? Are we ready to be that kind of church? I pray by God's grace that we are. Let's pray together. Lord God, we want to admit, acknowledge before you that uh, questions like this we find hard because of all the emotion and the stories that are involved. And so we want to sit under your word. We want your will for us, your plan for us to shape how we think and feel and act. We want to be like Jesus, who is so perfect in his ability to welcome and include and call people to a better life, to a life lived under your good hand. And so, Lord, will you give us great wisdom and graciousness as we seek to do that in this city and all the complexity of our culture and all the challenges we face? Help us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen.